And we're back. Nobody asked for this. Season two. Season two. We are your hosts, Megan. And Kendra. We have got quite the episode for you. Yeah, we do. We took a bit of a break after the last episode of season one aired. But don't you worry, we have been busy. Yeah. We've been busy. What have you been up to this summer, Kendra? Well, we've been prepping season two since essentially season one ended. That's that's true. That's, that's very true. true. <laughs> um, so we're we already have so much, like we can't wait for you to hear. We have um, some amazing guests. So many good guests. Yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, it's going to be a really good season. We're, a variety of topics. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing that I did this summer on our hiatus yes was um it's not really a new thing for me but i did do it a lot this summer which is to order food or something through an app on my phone and then walk into the store and pick it up as if i'm some sort of vip of that establishment oh my is this any any restaurant like all restaurants particularly starbucks okay (laughs) all right getting a clearer picture (laughs) i don't i'm a big fan of the iced coffee though i make a lot of iced coffee at home but i am a big fan of ordering in my driveway on the app i don't live near a starbucks that has a Mm drive-thru so i pull in i walk in and usually there's a whole line of people and a whole group of people waiting on their drink. And I don't even turn my damn car off. <laughs> I just walk in, pick it up, or take my sunglasses off for that matter. I'm Whoa. just like way too VIP for this. Whoa. Cool. What a fun time. Real, real summer treat. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Megan? Well, I... Went on a trip to Florida, Sanibel Island, with my mom. And mm-hmm. let me just tell you some of the wildlife we saw. Please. I we, love wildlife. We saw dolphins. We saw, I held a puffer fish. I caught and released a tiny baby star, nope, not a starfish, a tiny baby seahorse. A you did horse. <gasps> I did. Like on your own or with help? Okay, so let me explain it. We were, <laughs> yes, on my own. Did you just wander into the ocean? Yeah, and I was like, with my hand, I was like, just cupped it and it came to me. I sang my siren song. No, it was a uh, a boat tour called like Sea Excursion. And mm. so we left and went out to this uh, uninhabited by humans island. And they gave us all these nets. And so we're like waist deep in the ocean where it's all like seagrass. And you just scoop and scoop and scoop. And he had, and the tour had this sort of like floating cooler that had water in it that he would put everything we caught into. And then we took it to shore and sort of examined it and learned about it. And then later in the trip, there was a drag net behind our boat. So uh-huh. on the boat, yeah, we caught like pepper, pepper fish, which I held, um, some flounder, <clears throat> shrimp, all kinds of stuff. And then we saw over, I would say, 12 dolphins. You know what this, you know what this sounds like hmm. to me? What? This trip of yours? It sounds like the trip that I took in eighth grade 
Okay. For, for, for an oceanography project. <laughs> well, when you have a mom that is a retired school teacher. Oh, well, that makes so much sense. And also a five on the Enneagram. These are the activities that you do, the fun-tivities, if you will. I will tell you, I loved that. Honestly, probably one of my favorite school trips. Isn't we amazing. got to be at the ocean and like yeah. go out on a boat all day. It was so good. I like to learn things anyway. on vacation. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, it was an amazing trip. And then something that I wrote about on our social meets, which by the way, underscore, nobody asked for this on Instagram and our group name on Facebook is just nobody asked for this. Join mm-hmm. us, y'all. Um, so before we left, I had, I bought this uh, great dress on Amazon because, great. thank you, we're always needing content to post online. We are <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel sometimes. Um, so I was like, Mom, take my picture. And she took it, and I'm like in front of this beautiful like palm tree in it's this gorgeous. gorgeous area. And I looked at the picture, and she was like, do you like it? And I was like, mm-hmm. And... Um, then later I was like, hmm, no, I don't like this. And I realized that uh, that's a way that my internalized fat phobia shows up a lot is when looking at pictures of myself. Like I can be moving through the world and be feeling great about myself and then I catch a reflection or I see a picture of myself and it's like, damn, I wish I was smaller. Mm. And I don't want to feel that way. You know, like it makes me feel like a fraud. It makes me feel like, why do I care about this and not like, you know, weight stigma in healthcare? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. But, but I wrote about it because I was just like, okay, write about it. Like, see what happens. And the responses have been incredible. Like they have been. It was so good. It was so encouraging because it resonated with a lot of people. So I think that's something for all of us to think about. Why does that show up when we look at pictures? Um, and we talk a lot on the podcast about how representation matters, how we want to see fat people on our screens and not just stereotypes of like a lazy person or like the news trope of a headless fatty. Um, mm-hmm. And someone wrote about, uh, in response to what I had written on Instagram, and her name is Megan Merrick. Um, I think it's War Eagle Meg. And she wrote about that, and she was like, in the same way that we want that representation, we need to represent ourselves truthfully to ourselves. So meaning that we need to take pictures of ourselves. We don't need to, but it's something we can try. To take pictures of ourselves, and not when we're like hitting an angle to make sure that we look as thin as possible, but but a real representation, and then look at it and like see what comes up. Because maybe the more we do it, and we, the more we stop expecting to see a thin person, we can accept ourselves better. Yeah. This might be TMI, and I might not leave this in. Do it. <laughs> I have gotten into the habit of looking at myself naked every morning. hey <laughs> Ow, ow! And not in like a, okay, not in even like a, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm going to. I just have started, I don't even really, I couldn't tell you when I started doing this because yeah. I'm not, in, I don't pay attention to the past too much, but um, I do. I, I, even if I'm not taking a shower, like, you know, I'm just changing, like whatever. Yeah. I make a point of 
well, I don't even really make a point. I don't know. They're just mirrors in my life. And so, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, you just I like stop brush- and take a second. I usually, I do often. Yeah. I don't want to say usually I do a lot though, but I mean, even like, um, like this morning I was, I was brushing my teeth topless in my bathroom. Okay. Well, all that to say, these are important things to think about and talk about. And, um, you know, I was judging myself a lot for my feelings and I learned that there's, there's no need. (laughs) No. Judging it isn't going to make it better. And the other thing is, I think we talk about this a lot, and I'm, I'm sure people brought it up if you in those comments, which is like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not bad to feel, like you're not doing anything wrong to have your feelings Absolutely. about that moment. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think we also get on to ourselves about, oh, but, oh no, but I'm supposed to love this in this moment. Yep. Do you know? Right. And that's all well and good and like recognizing the that okay I maybe a move need, maybe some shift needs to happen it's yeah. good but also not getting down on yourself for having those feelings because they're all your feelings are valid they're yeah. they're worth something and they're they're you're allowed to have them and they don't well one feeling over another doesn't negate your worth in any way yes you know? that's a great point and then thinking about it in the context of our culture the system was built to make us feel this way Right, Someone's right. profiting off of those feelings. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of privilege in a thin body. So, of course, you're going to want that. Like, yeah. you want to be loved. You want to be taken seriously. You don't want to be looked over for a job. You don't want to experience weight stigma in your doctor's office. Right. So, like, those feelings aren't um, unfounded. Yeah. Now, yeah. can we, like you said, can we dig deeper and, like figure out why they're coming up and maybe have some practices to deal with them. Yes, we can. And yes, we will. And I think a really great practice is to look at yourself naked in the mirror. <laughs> I love it. Brushing topless. Brush your teeth topless, everyone. Teeth. That's it. That's all you got to try. Just start there. Yes. Just so stand in front of your vanity and brush your teeth. So our upcoming interview on this episode is fire. Do people still say that? Oh, hold on. It's bomb.com is what it's it is. It's bomb.com. People uh, do still say that, apparently. Okay, great. That It is uh, Jen Fleischer and Andrew Wilson, and we're debunking diet myths, y'all. Yes. Because they're both registered dietitians. So before we get into the interview, we want to provide a trigger warning. We talk about diets. We talk about fat phobia. We talk about things that might be tough. So if things are getting hard for you, take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. And there's also a moment in our Shut the Fuck Up segment with the scene that we use that um, addresses some racial insensitivity. Yeah. So just keep that in mind if you need to take a break from that. Yep. And as always, I want to offer a disclaimer that we are not experts and we are not doctors. And we are here for hopefully entertainment and informational purposes only. Um, And so if you are looking for health professionals, we would strongly encourage you to seek that out in your local area. Yeah. All right, let's go. Now it's time for Shut the Fuck Up where we take a deep dive into instances of diet culture within pop culture. We're so excited to have our guests, Ander and Jen, here 
to help us do a reading of a scene. Today, we are talking about the show Gilmore Girls. Not the original, but the second version. <laughs> it has a name? It's like a year. A year in the life. Yes. That's the name of it. Different seasons. Yes. So we're discussing, it's season one of A Year in the Life. Yeah. It's the only season. Episode three, entitled Summer. And Ander is going to be playing. Rory. Jen is going to be playing. Lorelai. Lorelai is the mom. Rory is the daughter. Mm-hmm. If you need to know more than that, you should just watch it. Um, <laughs> but don't take in the diet culture. Okay. So I'm going to set the scene. So this is season one, episode three, entitled Summer of Gilmore Girls, A Day in a Life. This is the first scene in the episode. Um, Lorelai and Rory Gilmore are sitting in lounge chairs at the town's public pool. Lorelai is wearing a long dress and hat. Rory is wearing a long sleeve shirt, long pants, and a hat. Belly alert. Two men of size walk by. The camera never shows their heads. Holy moly. Lorelai and Rory look away so they don't have to look at the men. A young, thin woman walks by in a bikini. Oh my god. Just go naked. Lorelai and Rory clearly disapprove of the bikini or the body. It's unclear. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, my God. What? It's Pat. Another headless man of size wearing a Speedo walks up. Lorelai and Rory turn their heads away as if Pat is too disgusting to look at. All clear. Ugh, this place is a minefield. A thin man named Andrew walks up. Hey, guys. Ugh. Oh, it's okay. It's just Andrew. He's got a shirt on. Oh, thank God. Okay, end scene. We're cutting to a new scene. It's about 14 minutes into the episode. They are back lounging at the public pool. This time they're both wearing long dresses. Two young boys are standing over them with parasols to shield them from the sun. The boys act as servants for the Gilmores, fetching them drinks and fanning them. The women are bantering dramatically in southern accents. My word, but it's sweltering today. Sultry, that's what it is. Sultry. Brennan, I'm out. Brandon, the boy serving Rory, gets her another drink. Thank you, Brandon. I'm just mad about the boy. Lorelai surveys surveys the people around her. Ah, yes. Lots of returning favorites today. Why, there's old Butterbutt. And our good friend, Bat Fat Pat. Tell me, is he one of the Maryland Back Fats? I believe he is. Oh my God, incoming. Headless Pat, wearing a Speedo, walks up. Hey there. Hey, Pat. Both women look away from Pat with disgust. Oh, hi. Hi, Pat. Welcome back, Rory. Oh, I'm not back, Pat. I mean, back, Pat. So, you're poor people, huh? Never would have taken you for it. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Kind of? Well, better get going. Okay. Okay, see ya, Pat. See ya. (sighs) It's just so stressful being here. End scene! <laughs> Applause! <laughs> oh my word. That's Give them the Emmy. Give <laughs> them the Emmy. <laughs> Those southern accents. Were. I mean, and you so really, good. you really captured the timing, the, the back and forth, yes. back and forth that the Gilmore oh, girls were known for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was very fast-paced, true to the tone of the show. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about why this was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to chime in with just 
smelling of fat phobia. Like, it is so fat phobic. It's full on. They're so afraid. Um, I want to know also, like, what are they doing there? At the pool. Like, I think this is the biggest question. Why are they at the pool? Why are they there? What's their purpose for being at the pool? It seems, honestly, it seems like they get a lot of joy from judging people. I agree with that statement. Yeah. I'm just like, Jen and I were talking about how it's hard to relate. We're like two Southern girls. Yes. You don't go to the pool fully clothed. No. If you want to be, like, you go inside. If you don't want to be outside. Yeah, we have air conditioning. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they hated everything about it. Yeah. But did they? But did they? And here's something else I should say. I fully watched all of this series and love it. Mostly. Uh-huh. I mean, it's taken time in as an adult to be like, oh, this is fucked up. Yeah. But, like, it's tough when you when there's a show that you love. So it's a problematic fave for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't really enjoy the series, similar to my sweet potato chips. I just, <laughs> I wanted to like it. Yeah. And I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I did like the Netflix series yeah like a lot better yeah um but this was uncomfortable to watch like jen said for like the rampant fat phobia and then also for this coded southern like white lady with her servants it was just growing up in the south that felt too near and too recent and not okay just felt wrong yeah Mm. and we should mention that one of the little boys is a little boy of color yeah yeah which is like one of Two people? I mean, yes. like, that show is known for having white, white, white. Yeah, very few people of color. Yeah. So, yeah, the boy of color holding a parasol, fetching drinks, even the language around, like, I'm just mad about the boy calling yep. them by the yep. boy instead of the names. Absolutely. Um, that was super uncomfortable. Yeah. They're also triangulating these outside people and using them as a bonding between the two of them, which is problematic. That's often what happens in in fatphobic culture, right? It's used as a way to connect yep. to somebody that, without actually connecting within yourself to somebody. Oh, sense? I've never heard it put that way, and I feel like big light bulbs going off. Thank you for giving language Bing! to that. That's amazing. Yes. And it's like a confident gossip. Yeah. Like they're yeah. confident in what they're saying, but they're relating to each other, but they're isolating themselves away from being able to relate or see people as human. So I felt like it was very, the things that they would say and the coded messages was very dehumanizing. So if they separate, it probably doesn't affect them Mm. because they've made someone else not human. Yeah. It's hard to hurt someone Mm. that you don't see as human. Absolutely. That goes to, um, speaking of like, let's dehumanize and really treat these people as objects. Have you guys heard of the headless fatties phenomenon? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, the trend and media of picturing people in larger bodies without heads. Like they're just objects that represent um, a quote unquote obesity crisis or a problem or a drain on the tax system or whatever, fill in the, whatever your anxiety is, Mm -hmm. whatever that is being communicated um, through your hate for these Mm -hmm. bodies. But I mean, literally it was their heads chopped off. Yeah. Yeah, we see that a lot in um, news segments where they're talking about the quote unquote mm-hmm. obesity ep- epidemic, just like crowds of headless pe- people that are bigger. Um, and yes, yeah, so so uh, Pat and yeah. Ma- and at least two other characters that walk by, yeah, don't get heads. Yeah. Andrew, the slim man, gets mm-hmm. a head. 
Yeah. Even the woman in the bikini that they kind of slut shame yeah. gets a head. Yeah. <clears throat> Fat people do not get heads in this yeah. scene. And also, also in the writing of this, there's a, like, the way, for instance, Pat is portrayed, like, he's so stupid, he's unaware of their kind of disgust towards him. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, and that's something that happens often when, mm-hmm. when fat people are portrayed in media. It also, it seems like Pat's an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's coming up into their conversation, into their space. Even though it's a public pool. Even though it's a public pool yeah. and they're fully clothed and have no business being there. Right. Um, but that right. it's this, like, culture of inconvenience, mm-hmm. right? Around yes. larger bodies, around yes. feeling like I'm taking up too much space. And why is that inconvenient for everyone else and not okay yeah. mm-hmm. to take space? Because space should be taken. And yes. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a commentary on who's allowed to take up space, who's allowed to be in public spaces. Who deserves to take up space. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kendra, did you watch the Gilmore Girls um, series? Did you follow it like Megan? Yeah, to the point of um, I own a mug that isn't a (laughs) quote-unquote Gilmore Girls (laughs) Gilmore Girls mug. It doesn't say Gilmore Girls. But if you ever watched the early seasons, it's the exact kind of mug that Lorelai would walk into the kitchen to start conversations with Suki and pour coffee. Okay. That's how much I like the Gilmore Girls. Kendra has some interest in Gilmore Girls. (laughs) She may have some interest. Yeah. So so you guys will know this, but their shtick as a female duo is they don't give a shit about food or health or performing any of that like they're always eating junk food they don't exercise they're not athletic they're like supposedly clumsy Mm -hmm. and so any of these health behaviors they proudly just brush aside for themselves but then they get to pass judgment on other people in different sized bodies and it's it reminds me of there's like um, some blogs and like some tumblers or some Instagram accounts called you, you didn't really eat that, which is like, um, but, um, okay. So it's where Instagram quote unquote models, um, who are, um, I'm just going to say exhibiting problematic behaviors sure. in terms of like <laughs> eating patterns, mm-hmm. um, post pictures of like with themselves and like with huge pizzas or about to take a bite of like a big donut. And it's like, you didn't eat that. No, you didn't eat that. You're um, terrified of those yeah. things. Probably. Yes. Yes. Um, they're also the same people who are like being like, I have this in moderation and then buy my detox tea. That's a different thing. <laughs> but anyway, I think it's interesting that it's like, we, you know, we don't, value these things around health and bodies like they literally just woke up like this but in this scene like they are surveilling everyone else's body and passing judgment yeah completely unaware ignorant of their own privilege the fact that and these are characters they're fictional characters but there are people that can eat whatever they want and they're naturally thin yeah why can't we have people that are naturally fat why can't that be okay but can yeah. it be accepted? Yeah, accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so that it's just like, well, I can eat whatever the hell I want yeah. and I'm going to make you feel about, bad about your size. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I think whenever you say that this is unacceptable, you wouldn't say that based on your height, 
So yes. we don't get upset with people for being a certain height or like, oh my gosh, it's so inconvenient because they're so tall and they can't ride this roller coaster with me or because they're so short. Um, they're, these are things that are unchangeable. Um, and if we start to view weight as like, is it so much within someone's control? If they don't believe that their behaviors influence their body size, um, why would they put that on someone else? Because if you're saying like, that's unacceptable, then you're also saying like, change that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that it's changeable. Right. Change it, control it, yeah. do something about it. Yeah. But I don't it. have to. Right. Right. But I shouldn't, but I shouldn't have to. Right. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't add up. So we have different rules for different people. Yeah. Based on, does that person look like me or look a certain way? Oh, yes. That's so good. Something else that I thought about was how uncomfortable with any bodies they were. You couldn't win. You couldn't win. Mm -hmm. You couldn't win, which is like, hello, welcome to being a woman. Yes. Tough that it's from two women. (laughs) But, um, the fact, so like. Some thin bodies were okay, like Andrew was okay, yeah. a man in a thin body, but a woman in a thin body in a bikini wasn't okay. Yeah. Like, they needed to comment on... Mm-hmm. Like, covering up yeah. or... Yeah. Well, Andrew was okay because he had a shirt on. He wasn't okay Is that until what it was? realized he had a shirt on. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's just like, I feel like this is another point at where purity culture and diet culture intersect, where it's like yeah. bodies are, are bad, um, quote-unquote bad, or like... We need to cover up and be modest, mm-hmm. mixed with a heavy dose of fat phobia. Well, I think that fat phobia can also be linked to that same thread. Of, if you think about the like a, a Puritan, um, yes. which is where purity culture comes from, but this Puritan ideal of bodies should be restrained, and whether that be by covering up or um, suppressing natural urges and desires it's also by not letting it get too big or too small like it's this discipline and constraint of the human body Mm. i i can't believe that they got away with like the the servant like this the like yeah that part to me is yeah right i know it's 2019 i really i i want to google I just want to Google that and see what I, we are not the first people to notice that. Wait. Yeah. Um, no, so I'm no sure way. there's been lots written on that, but yeah, I hope so. that's super problematic. Yeah. So uh, thanks for inviting us to feel all the icky feels. I yeah. know. I'm sorry. Thanks for making us feel awkward. It's great. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but now we can be fired up. Yes. Let's okay. say it all together. Shut, Shut the, the fuck up. up. So This episode has been brought to you by Erica Hart and Ebony's Relationship and their newest edition, Baguette. That scene in How to Get Away with Murder when Viola Davis takes off her wig and makeup. Tacos. Is there anything they can't hold? Like all my love. The ice cream truck in our neighborhood that plays the Black Swan theme. And our favorite Lizzo song, Better in Color. One, two, three. Cause you could be my lover. Cause love looks better in color. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you.
We are so very excited to have Jen Fleischer and Ander Wilson um, to interview for this episode. I met Jen from um, doing nutritional therapy with her. Uh, this is before you started this business, I think. So tell us a little bit about what Nashville Nutrition Partners is and what they do. Sure. I am Jen Fleischer. Um, I am the CEO here at Nashville Nutrition Partners as well as a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and health and wellness coach. And Ander, who is joining us today, is our chief clinical officer, co-founder of Nashville Nutrition Partners, and also a registered dietitian. Um, so, so many hats. So many hats <laughs> for all of us, right? Um, so we are a new clinic that's been open, and um, our, I believe our mission statement is really unique. What we do is we hope to set the new standard for the way that nutrition and wellness is um, transforming the way that clinicians practice, but also the way that we get our clients to think about and experience their own health and well-being. And so we do that through our, everyone in this office, um, everyone that you would see at National Nutrition Partners is um, a licensed healthcare professional. And we believe just in our core that um, health goes beyond weight, diets, or medical conditions. And um, we, our job is to take the confusion out of nutrition science. And we do that through providing intensely personalized nutrition counseling so that someone can improve their overall health and well-being without focusing on weight at all um, and or diets of that matter. And so through nutrition counseling, we basically teach clients how to understand what their body needs from a, a perspective of when to eat, what to eat, and how to eat for their specific biological needs. Amazing. I mean, I wish so much that something like this had existed when I was younger. Like, I'm so grateful for it now, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just so good. And I do want to say, I've, I think I mentioned it in our very first episode, um, from working with Jen, I started working with you because I was working out and getting really lightheaded during my workouts. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, what's up with this? And my trainer, Hillary Atamian at GetFit615 was like, hey, why don't you check Jen out? And um, through our work, through behavioral changes with a weight-neutral approach, mm-hmm. I was able to get off of metformin, high cholesterol meds, and blood pressure meds. Hello. And I didn't lose any weight. Yeah. So. You can improve health and not lose weight. <laughs> you can respect your body, yes. love it, give it what it needs, and it will work. You are working with it and not against it. Yeah. And that's the beauty. That's what we help people do. Yeah. This approach, yeah. and Jen specifically, and I have a hunch and or two, so I haven't worked with one-on-one, um, is transformative and life-affirming and just what I had been needing. Yeah. I'm really, really grateful for y'all. Thank you. I'm like just happy to be witnessing this moment right now. No, no. And Ander's fine too. <laughs> She's okay. Uh, so when we were thinking about who we wanted to have on as guests, we thought of both of you immediately because your personalities are so fun (laughs) and you're just like out there doing the work. Um, and we kind of thought about what would be interesting to talk about. And I was like, well, let's get, I mean, let their pros, let them do their pros stuff. Right. Let us work. Let us work. (laughs) Um, 
so we're going to do Diet Mythbusters. We're going to tackle three of probably, I might say the biggest three that we could talk, tackle. I mean, there's a whole lot out there. But the first one is myth number one. Diets work. Bye. What do you have to say to that? Uh, myth. First of all, if they did work, we'd be doing them, but they don't, so we don't do them anymore. Yeah. We're very just pragmatic about it. What we know about diets from the research and also what we've seen in our practice, just working with clients for almost a decade in, just in yeah. nutrition, mm-hmm. um, is that diets quote-unquote work, and we'll talk about what we mean by work, for about 12 weeks people can see changes, and then after that they don't, and we're not interested in what can you do in 12 weeks, and then, you know, who cares about the next 50 years, like, I'm interested in what is your health going to be, what is your quality of life going to be over time, so not only do diets not work, they actually can result in poor health. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. And so I used to, and I think, Jenna, you can speak for yourself, but whenever I first started as a dietitian, I absolutely wrote diets for clients because I thought that was helpful. Right. Um, and then I started to see, like, oh, this is really frustrating. Like, it's frustrating for them. It's frustrating with for me. And then I started to see in the research where, like, these aren't effective. And I'm like, well, that's inconvenient because this is what I went to school for. And then it became, oh, this is not only not effective, like this is harmful. And what we know Mm -hmm. now is there are a lot of side effects to diet. So just like any other medical intervention, any other uh, medical treatment, um, there are side effects to diets. And some of those side effects that we know of are, um, you've got weight cycling that happens, um, increased stress, which is linked to chronic diseases. Um, you've got a likelihood of disordered eating, onsets of eating disorders. Um, there are just a long list of things. Um, so from an ethical standpoint, I'm looking at that as a healthcare practitioner and I'm like, they don't work and they're harmful. And I promised to help people, um, lead healthier lives. So I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I want to second that when I started, my career as a dietitian, I actually started before I became a dietitian, I was a health and wellness coach first. So I've always practiced from a behavior change approach. I've always been very good at helping people make changes in their life and in their lifestyle. But I was doing it from the standpoint of everyone's goal was to mm-hmm. lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I also found like that 12 week mark where, you know, I'm congratulating them. They're doing a great job. They're motivated. They come back around 12 weeks and things have either plateaued or they're burnt out or like something else has come up, like a, a chronic issue or a, a lab mm-hmm. value is off. Um, and I started to see that. And, that. and I also started to see that not only was it potentially physically harmful, but the psychological implications of making these changes mm-hmm. and having this, what we now term as like this poor relationship with food, this poor relationship with their body. And what were they... Like, why were they trying to achieve those things in the first place? So, yeah, I think it's absolutely a myth that it that diets would work in general. And I think 
I'd love to do two things, Andrew. I'd love for us to talk about like what qualifies as a diet mm-hmm. and also what does works look mm-hmm. like and what do we think when someone says, oh, that worked for me because yeah. we hear that a lot. Clients come into mm-hmm. our office and we often ask that historical intake of, you know, what have you tried in the past and also, and, and what has worked or not worked. And there's this long list of things that that worked for me when I was doing it. So let's talk about, can you tell us, like, mm-hmm. explain more about what qualifies as a diet? Um, so diets, um, it's any pattern of eating, but the way that we use diets is to talk about any um, way of con- quote unquote controlling or restricting your food intake, um, making changes in the pursuit of weight loss. And outsourcing. I think that's a big, anytime that we're outsourcing information away from our body or we're not listening to our body or we're Mm -hmm. disconnected is also seen as Mm -hmm. a diet. So it's also dieting or, or doing something like we're following someone else's protocol besides like Jen's protocol or Andrew's protocol, Megan's protocol, Kendra's protocol, right? Yeah. So I say eating and so what I say is if you are eating in a way that's not aligned and in response to your needs. So if you're able to be like, I feel this way, but I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to outsource and be like, well, the book says to eat at 12 o'clock. So I can't eat until then. Like you've outsourced your intuition and your body's wisdom. So we're talking about restricting and we're also talking about times of day. That's included usually in a diet, right? Mm -hmm. Are there other behaviors? Yeah, following like a pattern, like a meal pattern. So you can easily get on Dr. Google and find any kind of meal plan that you print off and it tells you what to eat Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. they're like right all the days of the week yeah. and they're all different. And sometimes it's the same three days a week and the mm-hmm. same two days a week. And there's the same time of eating. Um, they usually come with grocery lists and calorie consumptions. Um, all, you know, all of those things. I think it's the... Yes. I think you rules. Could just, you could just like categorize them. Guidelines. As rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So question. Yes. Is Weight Watchers a diet? Yes. Yes. Is keto a diet? Yes. yes. Not, yeah. Is Whole30 a diet? Yes. Yes. And just because you do a diet for a long time doesn't mean it's not a diet and becomes a lifestyle. This is not a, a pumpkin. That is great. <laughs> becomes a carriage. <laughs> like. that, yeah. And I would love to chime in and say that that is... Um, just really good marketing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been like the industry gets really smart um, and creative, and so it's great marketing to be able to turn things from these what used to be excited about having a diet, right? We used to be excited about mm-hmm. LA weight loss or like yes. whatever, and those things still exist, and some people are still able to have access to that. But now the 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 wave, the culture wave, is wellness, lifestyle change. I'm doing this for my health. Mm-hmm. Right. We've seen some of them have like some professional backings. Like they'll have like this was reviewed by this mm-hmm. clinician mm-hmm. or this practitioner um, to help get validation around it, to help give credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a diet. And I think the other thing that we really like to touch on is when would you need to change your way of eating. There are times when we need to change our way of eating or when something works with our body versus someone else's body. Um, But the fact that following just for the sake of following a plan Mm -hmm. um, is actually not helpful. We would categorize it as more harmful Mm -hmm. than helpful, especially if you're doing it alone and you haven't consulted anybody that has a credential to figure out like, what is this? 
Will this work for me? Will this be okay for me? But I consulted my Instagram. <laughs> Instagram is so smart. I read it. They've t- gone to so much schooling. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about what happens when you go on a diet? Like a I quick... would love to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Like the good, like the act, like what people experience. Because yes. what they're experiencing is is what real. they see as working. Yeah. 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 So when someone says a diet worked, most of the time it is. I was able to lose weight. Right. Um, if it's not that, it's I was able to feel better or whatever that health outcome is. But usually they're trying to pursue a health outcome by way as a side effect of weight loss. But that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> Say that again. Um, whenever people are trying to lose weight, if you ask why, there's some type of for a lot of folks, there is some type of health outcome that they want to achieve. Um, I consider it just a lazy recommendation to look at a human being who is dynamic and their unique genetic makeup and everything else going on and them saying, okay, I would like to improve these health outcomes. I would like to improve these um, markers. Um, And it is lazy to be able to say, just lose weight because that will fix all of those things versus me spending a little more time with you and asking questions. Okay. What would you like to improve? You want to bring down, you have high cholesterol, like um, you're concerned about the amount of insulin that you're taking. So like instead of getting at the actual health issue, um, it's a shortcut really to be able to say, well, just lose weight and it'll fix all your problems. Like we're grown up, so We know that there aren't silver bullet solutions like that. Right. Um, and weight is not directly related to health outcomes. Yes. Yes. They are not yeah. directly related. That, that's a myth. Weight is does not, not equal health. Yes. Yeah. They're not the same thing. No. No. Um, there are, I think about, um, you cannot tell, like if, if it's a thin person walking around and that's the picture of health, um, you have no idea about the behaviors that they engage in. I have... We have clients who are in small bodies who um, could maybe, like, nobody would ever give them unsolicited health advice, but they are under eating, binge drinking, like, maybe doing drugs, and just things that we know are not healthy behaviors. And then we also have clients who um, are in larger bodies, and they do get unsolicited health advice, or their doctors are surprised whenever, oh, you mean you don't? have high cholesterol or like you don't have type 2 diabetes and they're like, huh, because they expect that from them. Yep. And they are very healthy right. and active right. um, and you just can't tell by looking at someone. Kendra and I have both had people ask us if we have diabetes. Oh my gosh. We don't. Yeah. 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 Um, I yeah. also want to add that weight loss can be an indicator of a problem. Yes. going on in right. someone's body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you often go to the doctor and one of the questions at every time you go in and you have to like do a form every mm-hmm. time you go in, one of the questions, have you lost more than this much in the last six months or mm-hmm. have you had significant weight loss? And they're looking for problems. Like that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. If your body is just losing weight, mm-hmm. something might not be okay. Mm-hmm. So that's important to remember mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Diet myth number two, sugar addiction is real. This is a myth. False. Not true. Um, Thank God. There 
Yeah. No, for real. There, um, I can't wait. I want Andrew to talk about this. I, I can't wait because she has so much information on these, what sugar does in our brain that people like constantly affix, like fixate on. Like sugar controls my brain. It controls the way I feel. I just, I, if I eat sugar, I crash or sugar's bad for me, right? There's all these rules that we've decided are for us around sugar. Um, and we've demonized this current macronutrient has been demonized while, you know, a long time ago, fat was demonized. Yeah. Uh, protein, for some reason, has always been put on a pedestal. We're not sure why. Um, I have a theory, and that is that it is um, protein tied to muscle, tied to masculinity. Yes. Tied to yeah. fitness, yeah. tied yeah. to yeah. health. Yeah. yeah. So, but no, sugar... Addiction is not a real thing. Andrew, would you like to take us down that path? Yeah. First of all, um, (laughs) when we think about addiction, we don't treat other addictions by repeated exposure to that thing that you were addicted to. And that's exactly how we treat folks who present for what they experience as symptoms of food addiction or sugar addiction. So what they're feeling, this feeling of, I feel out of control around sugar um, or whenever I eat this thing. What they're feeling is real, yeah. but it's not an addiction. That's not the pathway. That's not, they're not having a chemical um, or? May, so not that simple. Okay. But if we go back to where is where does that present, it's always in conjunction with restriction. The absence of mm-hmm. creates the desire for. Yeah. yeah. So we, as humans, need to have some type of dopamine hit, some type of reward, chemically, to incentivize us to eat so that we can stay alive. This is important. Mm. So there is this dopamine hit, which is where some people um, derive, you know, the little soundbite that, like, sugar is, lights up the same place in your brain as cocaine and the answer, the short answer to that is yes, and so does holding babies. <laughs> and puppies. <laughs> and puppies and... Stop holding puppies! Yes, and giving hugs. Puppies are addicting. Like, I feel like... I think we're using the word wrong, though. Yeah. Right, and that's the yeah. whole point. That's the yeah. whole point. Yeah. I mean, um, naps and exercise do the same thing. Mm. All right? But we need this, we need this reward to keep us alive. Um, you don't need drugs. To keep you alive. Right. So one is essential for your functioning and the other is not. Here's what happens. Whenever you restrict something because you think that it's bad, you start to think about that thing, especially whenever it's essential for your survival. Food is essential for your survival. So you start to maybe obsess about it and think about it and notice it everywhere. And so that is the feeling that people are mislabeling as I'm addicted. Mm. And then whenever they finally have access to it, they overconsume it because this is something that's restricted and I don't know when I'm ever going to get this again. Right. And the treatment for that is to normalize that food and to have it around. And that is evidence-based treatment protocol for binge eating disorder, for um, any type of um, over-preoccupation with food. Um, and you just don't see that right. <laughs> in other addiction no. treatments. No. Put more cocaine in your house. Yeah. Get, like, right. That's yeah. Um, so the symptoms for 
quote-unquote sugar addiction actually decrease with repeated exposure. Uh, I think it's important to to trace it back um, to the source, which are these studies that are done on using the Yale food addiction. Um, It's some type of study or tool or metric. I'm not quite sure that last word. Um, And so it is what they did is survey college students and using this assessment to figure out, are you addicted to sugar? Here's the thing. They never controlled for restriction. And if you just think about college age uh, students on a campus um, and really just what we know about like our country in the U.S., sure. you know, at large, um, most people are restricting in some form or fashion, whether they would call it that or not. And so you don't get good, helpful, useful data that way. Right. And um, so if you're not controlling for restriction, then I can't see that information as um, reliable. Yeah. yeah. Because we know that restriction leads to binging. Yes. Yeah. And I think this in no way is to minimize a person's experience around mm-hmm. sugar or carbohydrates mm-hmm. or anything like that. It is a real thing to crave mm-hmm. something that is very, very high in sugar. Mm-hmm. Um in that absence of, right? Yeah. Like you're, it's a biological response. And so if mm-hmm. that is an experience that someone is having, it's a very valid experience. Right. It's not that you can't feel, quote unquote, addicted to something because it feels like you need it. Mm-hmm. But there's typically because the behavior around that thing mm-hmm. is in the absence of or in restriction of. And mm-hmm. so your body's just trying to be like, hey, I need a little bit. Yeah. Like I need you to give me more of that so I can stop needing mm-hmm. to ask you for more of that. It's your body working for you. It's your body talking to you. Yeah. And so in our work, our approach with clients is how can, instead of you fighting your body, mm-hmm. how can we together learn more about your body so that you know what's going on and you can work with it? Yeah. Um, Rachel Hartley is an excellent dietitian um, in Columbia, South Carolina, and I thought she made a really good point about sugar addiction she said you know if sugar addiction if it was actually sugar that was the addictive substance then you would find people who binged on yogurt and cantaloupe people and strawberries yeah Great people point. do not overconsume those things those things contain sugar and sometimes like the same amount as some right. of these candies it's it's usually like sweets and treats that have been deemed, you know, sinful or right. off limits. And so again, that makes the point that we overconsume what we restrict. Right. So it's not, and the sugar molecule um, is the same in a strawberry as it is in, a, you know, um, confectionate sugar. Yeah. Um, and I don't, that isn't a way to say that like they're good or bad. It's just right. on a molecular level, like it's the same in your body. Um, so it's not the sugar molecule. So it starts with the this assigning moral value to food. Yes. It's kind of the first belief. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to restriction. Yes. And then that leads to feeling out of control mm-hmm. and feeling like you need to binge on sugar, mm-hmm. which is just your body saying, I want a dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it can be any food. Like I've had yeah. clients who are like, I can't be in front of a jar of peanut butter because I'll eat the whole thing. And I'm like, whoa, tells me you haven't eaten peanut butter in a while. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. 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 So it can be anything. Oftentimes I think sugar is just the target, right? Yes. Like that's yeah. the one that's seen as bad because we use sugar in things like cookies and cakes and baked mm-hmm. goods and things yeah. that we typically put on the unmoral, right? Or immoral yep. list. Yep. 
of the things that aren't okay for us to consume yep. as a culture. Our diet myth number three, gluten is bad. Bye. Bye. I'm going to chime in here with gluten is bad. And as a, this is like a, a twofold situation here. Okay. So as a blanket statement, that is a myth. Mm-hmm. Okay. For some bodies, that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it is bad. It's not a moral thing. It's that it is harmful. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's take someone who has um, celiac disease. If you were to consume gluten, your body is not, it's not serving your body. It's not helpful for that body. Um, it's actually harmful for that body when we get into the organ system and we start looking at what gluten actually does for them and creating inflammation, those kinds of things for that person's body. Gluten as a blanket statement is bad, is totally a myth. Um, for the majority of the population, gluten does not cause harm. Um, and so I think this is where the individualization of nutrition prescription comes in and going back to talking about the side effects of when we make changes, right? So gluten is like the, I think, you know, kale is the superfood and gluten's like the bad guy right now, like all the things, right? There's usually a super vegetable and a, a terrible something that everyone should be paying attention to. That's a great point. It's cyclical. It's cyclical. It is. Um, right now, gluten's had a spotlight for a while. Um, but it's also something that uh, people really think that, oh, well, I could cut that out and I bet I'd feel better. So back to what happens when we go on a diet, when we remove something, any one thing, we're going to notice some kind of change, right? Um, and oftentimes when we remove something and then we try to reintroduce it, because that's usually people's test. And mm-hmm. I've got quote air quotes going when we try to quote test something we remove it and then we want to put it back in but since we've removed it our gut bacteria has changed because our gut bacteria thrives on variety it thrives on diversity and so we've got all these different things coming in our body there's an entire different like set of bacteria in your gut so when we take things out those bacteria die off or they're not needed anymore. So we put something back in and we have a quote unquote bad reaction to it or something that we feel like in ourselves wasn't pleasurable or desirable. Um, it's because our body's not prepared for it. It's not ready again, right? We've wow. changed our ability to consume or to use that thing in an effective way, in a way that's helpful. Mm-hmm. So really getting down to who needs to watch something like gluten, or it's the same thing as like, for instance, peanuts. Does anyone know somebody who has a peanut allergy? Yeah, I do. Right? Um, they often like airplane, airplane, like airlines don't serve peanuts much anywhere. Like some of them don't right. because even air contamination, right, yeah. can cause an anaphylactic shock in someone's body. Mm-hmm. So whether it's anaphylactic shock or extreme um, bowel distress, like diarrhea. Right which you would, uh, someone with celiac would potentially have with a gluten intake. Mm-hmm. Either way, that's harmful, right? I would never go tell someone with peanuts mm-hmm. to like go eat right. a peanut allergy mm-hmm. to go, let's try that again, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> no. It would tell them to, to take it out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but someone that doesn't have that doesn't necessarily need to not eat that. And it's probably more harmful to not eat that than it is to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um 
And when it comes to allergies and sensitivities, there are differences in something that immediately causes an allergy, like something that is in celiac disease, right, with gluten. And then we have this um, other version of it that could be sensitivities are a real thing. Some people do have reactions. They do feel a certain way when they eat certain things. But the only way to find that out is to do a very well thought out and intentional um, protocol that you need to be working one-on-one with a clinician for. So there's no like blanket elimination program to do that. Um, and what we do here is actually we look at all the different factors to try and decide what what action we would need to take on someone figuring that out as opposed to just going straight to a blank elimination diet, right? Like mm-hmm. insert whatever kind right. is there right. um, because that's not necessarily needed for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we don't go, we don't write diet books on like demonizing peanuts and how everybody, like, great point. Yeah, like everybody, <laughs> like, why are you eating peanuts? Oh my God. Like, we don't do that anymore. Some like, people are allergic to those. What right. are you doing? Yeah. 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 Um, and to your point of like, if we go with the celiac disease example, I mean, that is a case where somebody is deciding, all right, there are risks and side effects of eliminating certain foods Mm. from my diet. So if you're going to eliminate gluten, that's probably eliminating a lot of vitamins and minerals. Um, Fiber, maybe? Yeah, fiber. All the B B vitamins. vitamins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you're saying is, all right, my intestines aren't going to be on fire, so I feel like I'll be intentional about making that up some other way. Mm. And so in that way, you've decided, all right, there are, there could be some side effects. There are some side effects, but the benefits to this treatment, this is going to be the best thing for me. Right. Um, and I like to tell folks when it comes to nutrition interventions, and, and that just means any type of like dietary change that you would make. I don't go and broadcast to the world what prescription medication that my doctor prescribed me. Here's the name of it. Here's the dosage. It absolutely helped me and changed my life. Everyone go out and take this thing because it could hurt some people. It could interact with something else, another prescription that someone else is taking. Um, It might kill somebody, you know, you just don't know. We really want to be thoughtful and intentional. um, And that requires individualized treatment with a medical nutrition professional. And it's interesting that we would never do that with a drug, but we can get a few big, like larger reach Mm -hmm. people in the world to say um, that this particular food item or this particular nutrient, Mm -hmm. I I did this thing with it with my body and it worked. Mm -hmm. You guys should try it. And now I'm going to write a book about it and I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to do all these things. Right. And so now we have a plethora of Mm -hmm. versions of those, right? Mm -hmm. We have them in cutting Mm -hmm. out this nutrient versus that nutrient or following this versus that. Um, For some reason, it's socially acceptable to do that with food, Mm -hmm. but it's not with, Mm -hmm. Hey, I take um, insulin through an, an insulin pump Everyone else should do that too. Like that, literally. Even if your even if your pancreas works, you should do that. It changed my life. But it'll without it, I would die. It's keeping me alive. So, right. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the insidiousness of diet culture too. Is like anecdotes as evidence. Yeah. So like people saying, "Hey, this worked for me," 
And it's another way to outsource mm-hmm. and say, like, well, I'm not going to listen to my, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be in dialogue with my mm-hmm. own body about mm-hmm. this. And also it's used as a big bonding tool. It is. And I also think that people are really excited about shortcuts, like yeah. just as human beings, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I can find a shortcut or a hack to do something to affect a really quick change, um, then I'm going to try it, right? Mm-hmm. And so shortcutting is just, don't shortcut. But these are shortcuts to getting to know yourself. And so it's like, if I do the shortcut, I don't have to do the work to get to know myself. And that's a deeper conversation about why we are uncomfortable with that. And then to your point about um, dieting and really just negative self-talk, negative body talk being a bonding experience, um, there's a term called normative discontent. And there's been some stuff written on that, which is it is a cultural norm for us to bond by being really discontent with our body. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great researcher and scholar, Emily Contois. We can link to her yeah. um, page in the show notes. It's C-O-N-T-O-I-S. Um, she's written a lot about that. Jen and Andrew, thank you so much for doing this recording with us. I've learned a lot today that I did not know, and I know our listeners are going to learn a lot. Um, and I just appreciate how both of you are so approachable and relatable and extremely knowledgeable. And tell us how we can find more out about you. Yeah, so there's a few ways to find us. Um, you can find us at NashvilleNutritionPartners.com. You can find us on Instagram at Nashville Nutrition Partners. And um, if you're interested in finding out like what it would look like to work with one of our dietitians, um, you can book a complimentary 15-minute insight session right from our website. It's a phone call. We're going to learn more about your goals, your needs for working with a dietitian, what it would look like to work together. And just, you know, we take insurance. So we have insurance coverage. And then if you're not in network with the carriers that we have coverage for, we provide something called reimbursement support. We help you figure out how to get the money back from your insurance company if they cover nutrition therapy. And then if you're private pay, we have some really great options for packages. Um, So you can book an insight session right there. We'll talk to you. We'll tell you how to get started and find out if it's a fit for you. Love it. So good. Seriously, it's changed my life. That's really, that's really great that you have options for insurance and other ways to help because I feel like that is a really big hurdle for a lot of people to get this kind of help that they need. It is. And it's, you know, it's often seen in even clinics and in doctor's offices. Um, They, doctors so desperately wish that they could provide more nutrition care for their patients and um, they can't either a make it work with their um, like hiring a dietitian to do that full time Um, and navigating insurance is really challenging but it's something that Ander and I from the start were so committed to making sure that we got um, so that we people could have access yeah that's so great that's great. Um, so if someone would be interested in doing nutritional therapy with you and they don't live in Nashville, would they be able to do that? They would. We offer both telehealth via video and we offer telehealth over the phone. Great. Um, and some, depending on, are uh, covered by insurance as well. Amazing. Yeah. Depends on the carrier. If you're interested in individualized, weight-neutral nutrition therapy, and you should be, <laughs> check out Nashville <gasps> Nutrition Partners. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's been a joy. We've had so much fun. Yes, it's been so fun. 
Let's talk about snacks, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the sweet things and the salty that we eat. Let's talk about snacks. And now we're going to talk about our favorite snacks. Yay! Yay! Megan, what is your favorite snack you're eating right now? Today, I want to talk about intern Eric's sourdough bread. Mm. He, he does a sourdough starter um, and makes his own bread. He makes like maybe two loaves a week. Oh it's God. amazing. Now, listen, not every loaf is a winner. <laughs> so like the one of the last ones that he made, he forgot to put salt in. That's important. Ooh, we did learn yeah. the he ingredients. Of that. Um, but when they're good, they're so good. And if you just put like a little bit of butter on there, and if you're really feeling festive, just like a little sprinkle of salt. Ooh. Heck yes. Mm. It's real good. Mm. What about you, Kendra? I've been thinking about a snack I used to eat on road trips and various things with like friends when I was younger. Okay. We called it white trash, but it should probably more appropriately Yikes. be called puppy chow. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's go with that one. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I'm from the South, y'all. Yeah. And, um... One of my friend's moms would make these huge Tupperwares that you would think there's no way in a weekend, you know, four middle school girls could consume it all. But we did. It was yeah, delicious. Did. It is made with Chex cereal. I think the rice kind is what you're supposed to get. I don't know. Peanut butter, chocolate, and powdered sugar. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's like the best snack. So good. Have y'all had it? I have had it. I think it's like a big thing around the holidays. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just getting it in like a tin. Yes. People put it in a tin yes. and it's like powdered sugar, like white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like melts in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Very good. So my friend Amanda loves puppy chow. Her oh. mom makes it. She makes it. I never quite know how you get the chocolate peanut butter part on. Like, is it melted? Yeah. Okay. It's what yeah. holds the sugar to the checks. Yeah. I kind of like, it's kind of like how some people are with hot dogs. Like, I don't know how it got there. I don't know how they made it. <laughs> but like, it. it's, it, I like it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Give I'm it here to for me. it. Yeah. 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 It, it takes a lot of nuanced practice because the, to make, because the checks is like so light and then you're trying to stir it. You have to be very gentle. Otherwise it just crumbles and it's just little tiny pieces. So you're going to have a delicate hand. Yeah. For it. Who knew? Not my forte. They thought fudge was difficult. Oh. Try puppy chow. Try it. Come at me, bro. <laughs> All right. Jen, you want to talk about your yeah, I would snack? love to. So my favorite snack these days is spicy and savory, and it's not homemade, but it's a Trader Joe's, the Thai chili cashews. Oh, have you guys ooh, had those? No. They're so good. They are awesome. You can't just have one. No. They're cashews, so good. Yes, they're yeah. cashews and they're like roasted and then they have a Thai chili seasoning on the outside yeah. of them. It's so good. So Yum. satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are they like super spicy? Do they have a real kick to them? Or yeah, no? they have a pretty good kick to mm-hmm. them. Especially like the more you eat, like the kick mm-hmm. builds. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing. And then you like follow that with a, some kind of carbonated drink. Yeah. And it's mm. just, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there's yeah. the combo. So okay, great. everybody. <laughs> You're really right. right. Spicy plus carbonated drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I never know. Everybody's got to try that now and tell us what they think. For sure. Gender? Well, first, I want to say that we have an epic snack drawer at At the NMP. Yeah. Yes. In the NMP kitchen. In fact, all of our dietitians, when they first started, 
out of everything here, I think they were most <laughs> impressed with the snack drawer. <laughs> so there many snacks? options. Yeah. <laughs> so many options. So I am excited because I feel like I can now participate in potato chip culture. Okay. Because I was not a fan of potato chips. What? I know. And like, I, you, I want to be because yeah. everybody else loves them. And it wasn't until recently, Aldi sweet potato chips uh-huh. are my jam. And awesome. I get them Instacarted through the office. That's how good they are. <laughs> uh, wait, I need to know what Instacart is. Oh, what? Oh. Is that like shipped? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's like a delivery. Yes, it's kind of like a Prime Now, like Instacart. Yeah, like they are yes. fast. They're faster than shipped. Mm-hmm. They're oh. different. I also do shipped with Target. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Instacart, like, if you could have your groceries in an hour. <gasps> it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you can get your snacks. So, do you like potato, do you like a normal white potato chip? I'll eat it, but I don't, I don't have the same experience as other people. That's and okay. I want to, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, I felt really, like, included. Good. I <laughs> Y'all, I was homeschooled. I've got a complex about not fitting in. <laughs> So, oh my, uh, my sweet potato chip find has been yeah. healing on a lot of levels. Yeah. I will say, though, to add to that, that these are, like, special sweet potato chips. They are, like, thin and crispy. You know how you can get some that are too thick or they, like, overcooked them? Yep. They're thin mm-hmm. and crispy, and they have salts. It's, like, this the right amount of salt mm-hmm. on every bite. They're mm-hmm. so good. They're super yeah. satisfying. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean because when I have sweet potato fries, often they're just, like, a little too thick. Yeah, so or mushy or not done or like yeah. So when you get sweet potato fries, yeah. So in Nashville, I'm thinking of burger up. Yep, sweet potato fries. When you get to the bottom of your sweet potato fries yes. and it's like the burnt pieces, that's what it tastes like. Oh, yeah, the good crispy. Okay, it's good. This episode's inductees to the Fat Friendly Hall of Fame are Jen Fleischer, Ander Wilson, and these last two have been extremely instrumental in making this podcast happen, and they are Derek Potter and intern professor Eric Stephen Detweiler, the only. These are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. And that's our episode. We did it. We did it. Season two, episode one in the Bye. Hey, 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 hey. So we hope that you uh, enjoyed this episode of Diet Mythbusters. And if you have any diet myths, listen, we only covered three. There are hundreds of millions <laughs> of them out there. <laughs> so if you've got any that you'd like us to address, we probably are going to do something like this again with Jen and Ander. So let us know in the comments. Drop it on our post on Instagram where we've told you about our episode release. Um, 
We would love to hear that from you. Slide into our DMs. <laughs> also, um, be on the lookout for a Patreon. We're in the developing phases of getting that ready to go. We have some really cool ideas in mind and new content that would be exclusive for that. So we'll obviously let you know when it's ready to go. Yeah. But just but keep it on your radar. Kendra, what's your secret weapon? Well, I have a 10 million, like 10 million of them. But the one I love the maybe the most, <laughs> the one I'm the most proud of, yes, is that I could teach a college-level course on the 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> wow. Something to be proud of. I can't even, I think I've watched every episode three times. Wow. And I've actually probably watched parts of it more than that, you know? Right. That's where I am with The Office. It's it's been a it's been a mainstay. So, let me just quiz you for a second. What body part did Christina Yang lose before her wedding? I think you're talking about Arizona Robbins and she lost the bottom half of her leg. I'm not. Wow. I didn't that's dark. <laughs> I did not get and that Actually, part. it wasn't before her wedding. Um, what part did she lose? Mm-hmm. Before her wedding? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, her eyebrows. You yeah, said you body part, and because Arizona lost a leg, I was like, she has... Yeah. Christina has all her limbs, like an organ. I didn't want to make it easy for you. No, yeah. Mama took her eyebrows. That's what happened. She sure did. Mama took her eyebrows. Megan. Yeah. What is your secret weapon? Well, um, if you have a pickle jar, let's say a jam jar, let's say a mayonnaise jar, any sort of jar, I can open it for you. Now, here's the interesting part. Mm-hmm. I am a right-handed person. Okay. How do I open it? I grip it with my right hand, but I unscrew it with my left. I don't think and I anyone, do that. Yeah, well, I can. And that's why it's my secret weapon. And anyone who's ever lived with me knows this secret weapon that I have. And just looks like, oh, I can't get in this jar. I better call Megan. We know that the podcaster's secret weapon is getting ratings and reviews. So head on over to iTunes and find our podcast and leave us a five-star rating, if you don't mind, and a review. Thanks, bye. Bye.